All right, let's get up from our seats to receive our scripture reading for today, which comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now I invite Pastor John to deliver God's word to us today. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Can we turn to our neighbors and say, I'm so glad that you're here. And certainly, I am so glad that all of you guys are here today. Well, good morning, or I should say good afternoon, All-Stars, Joshua Generation, and our friends. Uh, I know for our rising seventh graders, this is still a little bit new. So glad that you guys are here. And I pray that uh, the gospel will continue to penetrate your heart so that as you get older, as you guys get to 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and beyond, that you will become mighty men and women of God. We're in a series called Get Ready, and the idea behind this series is to prepare our hearts and our minds in the Lord as we approach our next academic school year. Most of us would like to spend the summer in leisure and comfort, but some students sacrifice their summer of leisure and comfort by going to summer programs and summer school to either get ahead in their studies or to gain exposure to a topic that is rather difficult. Now, if that's you, there are pros and cons to this that I'm sure you already know of. On the positive side, you train your brains to operate in an academic setting. And so before the school starts, your brain is already naturally wired to study and do homework and classwork and exams, etc. But on the negative side, this actually might cause you a lot of stress and frustration. How many of you guys have had summer school and summer programs and you felt like maybe the teacher wasn't all that great? Maybe the teacher didn't really understand how to teach to you particularly? Maybe you thought that it was a waste of time and you're frustrated not only at your circumstance but maybe even your parents who dragged you into this summer school or summer program. And so you're already going into the academic school year with a lot of frustration, with a lot of exhaustion, and that's not good. So there's pros and cons. Other people have spent the past two and a half months in leisure and comfort. There's also pros and cons to this as well. On the positive side, you are fully rested, maybe even a little bit over rested. But on the negative side, it isn't unusual to feel slow and sluggish and maybe a little bit overwhelmed on your first day or first week of school because you're not used to it. You're sluggish. You're trying to get your brain to wake up. And so that would be a little bit of a minus, a negative. But regardless of how you spent your summer, we here at All Stars and Joshua Generation knows where the source of life 
comes from. And that is found in God's word. We believe this so radically that it would be absolutely common sense to us for me to say it's not about the preacher at all. It's not about guest speakers. It's not about the actual teacher. It's not actually about the ambassador of God's word, but it is about God's word. So many countless of youth ministries out there where the speaker will tell you funny stories and talk about all sorts of different things that has nothing to do with God's word. And I'm telling you here today, that isn't exactly what you need. That might be something that you want to hear. But here at All Stars and Joshua Generation, we believe in one Savior alone, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? It is not the opinions of man or woman. It is not the ever-so-changing trends and fads of this world. It is the everlasting word of God who speaks of God, who speaks of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and for countless of generations and through various different circumstances and difficulties of life, God has proven to be a sure foundation. And so we believe that the best way to prepare for our upcoming school year and our life is to set our hearts and our minds not upon someone who can speak well, your teachers, or whatever strategy that you have, but upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And today, we are in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, where the Apostle Paul teaches us to prepare our hearts and our minds by living a joyfully Christ-reliant life. I'm going to say that again. The Apostle Paul teaches us to prepare our hearts and our minds by living a joyfully Christ-reliant life. And in each verse, it teaches us beautiful truths, powerful truths, to prepare our hearts and minds in the Lord. And so let's begin. Can we have the very first slide? This is verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Paul commands us to rejoice. And he says it in the most unashamed, in the most uh, bold and courageous way. He is not timid when he commands us to rejoice. Paul doesn't say, um, I don't know what your schedule looks like this week, but could you consider rejoicing in the Lord? He doesn't say to you, I don't know what mood you're in right now, but whatever mood you're in, are you in the mood to rejoice? Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of where we are mentally and emotionally, Paul commands us to rejoice. And here's what we learn if you're taking notes. This is so exciting. The Bible treats Joy and happiness with great seriousness. Anyone who believes that the Bible is only about rules and regulations on things that I can do and things that I can't do, it's just a, a legal text, has completely misunderstood the message of the Bible. If I could summarize 
What we learn in the Bible, it's this, that it teaches us to glorify God, the highest supreme being, not in ourselves, where we are here today and gone tomorrow, not in our achievements or the trends and the fads of this world, which are cool today, but not tomorrow, but in the everlasting God, that our purpose is of a divine purpose, that we are to glorify God, yes, but also to enjoy him forever. The Bible teaches us to take joy and happiness seriously. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that crazy amazing that Jesus loves you so much that one of the primary things that he wants to teach you about in life is how to be truly, truly happy. But in order for us to be this kind of happy, this kind of supreme, utter, bliss, crazy, happy, we need an object to be joyful about. I want you guys to think back to your childhood, way, way back into your childhood. What are some of the fondest memories that you have? I remember when uh, my parents, I'm from Maryland, and one of my favorite places in the world to this day are anywhere with a body of water, body of water, oceans, lakes, whatever. When I see water, I love it. I feel at peace. And I remember my parents will tell me, hey, today we're going to go to, or tomorrow we're going to go to Ocean City. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm so excited, so excited, so happy that I couldn't sleep. I only slept maybe like 30 minutes that night, still woke up at 4 o'clock, and I woke up my parents because it takes about four hours from Maryland to get to uh, where I lived in Maryland, to Ocean City. And so I remember waking them up at 4 so that we could shower, get ready, pack the car, and go. I didn't want to waste any time. I wanted to go and have so much exuberant, joyful uh, time at Ocean City. Another memory that I had was I remember my dad just randomly told me, hey, son, come outside. And I, I went outside and said, Dad, what's up? And he took me to his car, opened the trunk, and it was filled with these bags, gigantic bags filled with toys. And that just happened really once. Um, but I was just so amazed because I didn't ask for these things. I was so delighted in the object of these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being excited about things and the things of this world because there are many, many good things that God wants you to enjoy. All of his creation, you can enjoy it, but here's the thing. Our joy will not last if the object of our joy is only the things of this world because, you know, let's think about it. New clothes becomes old clothes. Your great accomplishments from last year, does it really matter? You have to accomplish more things today. Boyfriends and girlfriends becomes ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends in youth ministry. Our joy comes and goes when our object is in the things of this world or the good pleasures of this life. And that's why the Apostle Paul continues and he says, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And this is why the Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice. For the Christian, Jesus is our permanent object of our joy. And the question is this, why? 
Is Jesus the permanent object of our joy? What is it about Jesus that causes a Christian to jump up and down in songs and praise, to come to church on Sunday and say, you know what, even though I'm busy, I'm going to dedicate this time to the Lord. Well, since we are in Philippians today, let's find at least one example. Can we get the next slide, please? This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Can we read this out loud together? Okay, all in one voice. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this is a sermon in and of itself, but this is what this passage is saying in a nutshell. When you compare every other religion in the world, it teaches you save yourself, obey, follow the rules, follow the regulations so that you will one day enter heaven, be with God, have all the things that you want, enter into a state of nirvana, whatever it is. But either way, at the heart of every religion, you are the Savior. Not so with Jesus Christ. In the Bible, it says that the holiness of God is so high and so perfect that it would be impossible for me to ever dare reach those goals of perfection. In other words, I know you know the value of Harvard, and that's wonderful. Harvard's a great school. But I'll tell you what, it is possible for any of you to go to Harvard based upon your works. You just got to sacrifice everything to get there. But even if you were to sacrifice everything, you could not earn your way into heaven. And so what does God do? God sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to enter into a perfect relationship with us. He lived the life that you and I were supposed to live but couldn't. And he does so on our behalf. And then the wages of sin is death. And so what does Jesus do? He pays for the penalty of sin, which is death itself, on our behalf, and he doesn't just die a natural death, he dies upon the cross. And then, because death could not hold him, because our king is a victorious warrior king, he is raised victorious from death itself, conquering death on our behalf. And so the Christian message is, you can't earn salvation, and that's why Jesus earns it for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. And because of that, you and I can confidently live this life, not as a servant, not as a, a beggar or an orphan, but as sons and daughters of Christ, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of where we are. And you know what happens when we live life this way? 
Verse 5 makes perfect sense. Could we have slide one back up again? Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now what does this mean? What does this mean and what does this have to do with the gospel that I just explained? It means that when Jesus is your greatest joy, there is nothing in this world that could compare to the joys of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this world. A boyfriend could not match or a husband could not match the joys of Jesus Christ. A girlfriend, a wife, riches untold, pale in comparison to the joys of Christ. And that joy is yours now and forevermore. Here's another way of saying this. I know all of you know the value of money because it can get you things can get you pleasures untold, but I'll tell you this. The gospel says some people, some people are so poor that they only have money. Let me say it again. Because of the joys of Jesus Christ, because the all-surpassing worth of Christ, some people are so poor that they only have money, but you have everlasting, eternal life and life abundant but also on the flip side. When you are going through incredible amounts of pain and suffering, inner turmoil, self-doubts, insecurities, wrestling with sins that just simply won't go away with willpower, the gospel says, Jesus died for you and was raised again from death itself. And when you place your faith in him, you are connected to that one who has conquered death itself. And so we have great hope. And so what does this make us? It makes us stable in our hearts, in our minds. We're never too overly joyful over the things of the world. We're never utterly crushed by the depressions and the brokenness of life. We are stable people. And that's an attractive thing. That's a beautiful thing. I'll tell you, when I see young people, and I can tell in your minds and in your hearts, because you know the love of Jesus Christ, here's what you say. Yeah, I got SATs next week. I'm going to study my hardest, but I know it doesn't define me. Yeah, I'm going to uh, apply to this college and, and that school, and hopefully I get the major that I want. Hopefully, you know, I get the job that I want, but I know that that's not my security. I know my hands are too small, but God's hands is big and mighty. You see, that's stability. Yeah, you know what? I, I know I live in a fallen and broken world, and this life can be a bit dangerous. But man, if there is anyone that frightens and terrifies demons, it would be my Lord and Savior. And he doesn't terrify or scare me. He loves me. And that, 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 this stability is so super attractive. And not only super attractive, I, I actually find that to be very rare. Not just among young people, but just among people in general. But this is the power of the gospel. And here's the thing. If this is you, if you had the power of the gospel, would you join me in our passion together for the lost for people at your school, you want to prepare your mind and your hearts for the upcoming school year. Don't just be about grades, but be about souls. Because when Paul is writing to the Philippians, he is writing to a people who are being persecuted by their faith. And that is why, as we are 
light and salt in this world. We go back to school. People might not understand. Why are you so stable? Why aren't you so stressed out? You're not freaking out and you're all of these things. Why are you so stable? And you say because of Jesus, they might scoff at you. They might mock you. They might laugh at you. They might shun you. So what do we do as Christians? Verse 5, be reasonable to everyone, to everyone. Now, what does that mean? Another translation of reasonableness is gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And let me tell you, how many of you guys would like to be called gentle? I feel like in our area and in our time period, for anybody to call you gentle, I feel like you would think, hey, does this guy or this girl think I'm weak? That is the false understanding of gentleness. The best way for me to explain what gentleness means is this. Think about two horses. One is wild. One is tamed. Which one is stronger? One is wild. One is tamed. Which one is stronger? They're both equally strong. But the tamed horse uses its strength for the purpose of the rider, for its master. That's gentleness. You are strong, young people. You are courageous, young people. God has given you amazing gifts, each and every one of you. You dare not say, I have no talents, I have no, I'm, I'm just a scrub, I have no gifts or abilities. No, God has lavished you upon grace upon grace and gifted you with amazing things. But in your gentleness, know this, that all of your gifts, your, your, your talents, your abilities, let it be controlled by your loving, powerful, sovereign master, Jesus Christ. And so as we go to school, as we go back to our schools, middle school and high school, let us be gentle. Let our gentleness be known to everyone. If you're taking notes, I have a couple of applications, practical ones. Number one, invite your friends to church. There's other venues. If church on Sunday is too intimidating, there's Canonia for high, uh, middle schoolers. There's also PGIF for high schoolers. There's also Saturday morning prayer. And yes, of course, Sunday worship service. So that they get to be exposed to this amazing God of grace and mercy and love. But number two, please pray for your friends. You and I are not the saviors to our friends. And I have plenty of people in my life that do not know the gospel. And I know what the word of God says. For those of us who are not under the grace of God are under the wrath of God. And so, brothers and sisters, let's not just think about so short term about our grades, which are here today and gone tomorrow. I have no idea what my middle school and high school years were like now that I'm in my 30s. But I do remember the lost souls that I, didn't, I, that I failed to reach out to. My gentleness was not made manifest. It wasn't known. And as you get older, it becomes harder and harder. But if you practice now, it becomes like a muscle. You become stronger at it. Don't give up to reach out to them. And another thing, another thing. If you do have non-believing friends, which I, I think you should, I think you should, please understand that your whole life matters. If you're not good in the Lord, if you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not side by side with the Lord daily, then you're not gonna give your very best to your friend. I'm your pastor, right? For me, what, I, what do I have to do? I have to be in the word daily, day and night, 
praying on your behalf, I have to receive the grace of Jesus Christ myself and to really delight in God myself so that when I preach, when I teach, and when I'm with you, I give you the very best of what Christ has given to me because I love you. I want us to prepare our hearts and our minds in this way because your friends are important. I'm saying your friends are important. I'm saying that your friends' lives are of eternal significance. Let us reach out to them But man, this sounds like a tall order, Pastor John. And this is why at the end of verse 5, it says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And this is good news. It's not to say, I don't know how you heard that when I said the Lord is at hand. It's not to say that the Lord's like right behind you, ready to like smite you for not doing your thing. Imagine the Lord holding your hand and saying to you, I got you, son. I got you, daughter. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is at hand. I'm right there with you. And here's what you're going to do. Because the Lord knows our weak frame and knows that we are very needy people. Can we have slide one again? This is what verse 6 says. Do not be anxious about anything. Remember, the Lord is at hand. He has you. You are the darling in his eyes. He has you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He has you by the hand. And what Paul is saying is what Jesus wants out of you is a conversation. Share with him everything that is in your heart. If there is anyone that can handle all of that, it's God. How many of you guys have friends? Don't raise your hands. (laughs) How many of you guys have friends? And that particular friend likes to talk a lot. Don't turn around. Don't look at them. Don't point fingers. They love to talk. They love the sound of their own voice. Whenever you're saying, whenever you talk about yourself, man, I had a rough day. What does your friend say? Yeah, I had a rough day too. Let me tell you about my day. Oh my goodness. Did you hear her what she said? My teacher, oh my goodness. She is so this and that. It's like, oh yeah, right. Um, No, I had a rough day because um, my mom is sick. Oh man, let me tell you, last time when my parents got sick, she didn't cook for all week, Right? And so it's just like, okay, this is like really uncomfortable because they won't stop talking about themselves. And so you might think maybe God doesn't want to hear what you have to say. God is testing you, brothers and sisters, and say, you know what? I want you to test me. See if I can and cannot handle everything that is in your heart. Because what God wants from you is a relationship you know, if you were to see what my prayer life is like, I think you guys would be very, like, surprised. I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is say, thank you, Lord, for the life and the oxygen that I have in my lungs. Thank you for my family. I brush my teeth. I, I wash up, have some breakfast. Uh, thank God for the food. I get in my car, and I drive. And along the way, as I'm driving, I say, Lord, what a beautiful day. Or if it's a rainy day, Lord, it's a... Thank you so much for watering your earth. And, um, and sometimes I get all sorts of different weird thoughts and emotions like you guys. Sometimes I, f- I feel like, man, you know, I feel a little down today, Lord, and I'm not really sure why I'm down. And I'm just really thankful that I have you to talk to. Even though I'm alone in this car, I, I know I'm not alone. You're with me. You've given me your Holy Spirit. 
And it's this pattern of just talking to God about everything. It says, it says here, but in everything, Paul says in everything, by prayer and supplication. Yeah, sure, most of the time I'm just talking about, you know, everyday, normal, boring things. But then there are times when I'm in my office upstairs, and for those of you who come to SMP, we write down one another's prayers, and I pray for you. And I feel like, even though you might not know it, I feel like I'm drawing closer to you as my students, me as your pastor, because I know what your heartache is about. I know that like 95% of you, that 95% of your life concerns is about academics, and that's understandable to me. Thank you so much for sharing your burdens with me so that I can pray for you. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and letting me know that you are scared because you don't know if you're going to get accepted to this college or not. Thank you so much for uh, sharing with me that um, you're not the best test taker. Or thank you so much for sharing with me that uh, your family might not be doing well. So that you have given me this precious and sacred information so that I can offer it up to God in everything in supplication. And I pray for you by name. I hope you guys come to SMP and pray together and let our requests be made known to God. And when we do these things, verse 7 is the fruit of just that joyful, Christ-reliant lifestyle. Can we have slide one up? Verse 7 for those of you who are joyfully Christ-reliant, this is the fruit. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The peace of God, peace in your heart. You can have peace right now before school starts. You know the drill. How many of you have been in school for such a long time? All of you have been in school long enough. 180 days, 999 hours of academic school time. And not, that's not even including all of your hagons and uh, academic, you know, outside academic programs that you have to do. You know the stresses that comes with all of that. And also there's social pressures and everything else, parental expectations, your own expectations of yourself. It's not a peaceful situation or circumstance, but for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, you have the peace of God because you are not God, and God is God, and God is in your life. And here's the thing, you don't even have to understand it because it says it's going to surpass your understanding. And so let's say you fail a, you know, a subject, you fail a test, or you didn't do well on this particular class, you still have reason to rejoice and to pray all sorts of prayers to God because the peace of God is yours. It's not a feeling. It's not, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. It is yours. It's a right of yours as a son and daughter of God. And you might not even understand it, but this is why we walk with God and talk with God and hold on to his promises. And as we do that, it will guard your hearts and your minds. Not because everything in your life is going well, but because of Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Remember this, brothers and sisters and friends. The greatest tragedy this world has ever known was that the perfect son of God died the most shameful death known to man by dying on the cross. 
This is a tragedy of tragedies, and yet God turned this tragedy of tragedies into our greatest good. And if God can do that with Jesus, God will do so with you. Can we have the last slide, Romans 8, 28? Let's read this all together with one voice. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is yours now and forevermore. The peace of God is this inner sense of contentment, knowing that God doesn't just have your back. He doesn't just have your life on this side of eternity. He has your life for all eternity. And this God is good. And this God loves you. And so if you got anything from this sermon, it's this. Brothers and sisters, friends, prepare for this academic school year by living a joyfully Christ-reliant life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Brothers and sisters, um, I never fully know what the sermon does to your hearts, but in the theme of living a joyfully Christ-reliant life and preparation for our upcoming school year, would you go before the Lord as you are, knowing that Christ, through his grace, will transform you to become far more than you ever dared imagine to be? Pray to God. Maybe some of you needs to have a bigger vision of God. Maybe you think God is so small, but let me assure you, With just a whisper, with just a word, God created everything into being. That is the power of God. And maybe some of you are in your doubts. You feel like failures. You feel like you're the outliers of all-stars and Joshua generation. But for those of us who know Jesus, we know that those who are far away from Christ has been brought near to the throne of grace, not because we were so awesome and we're so perfect, but because he loved us. For those of you who think that the Bible is just a book of rules and regulations, maybe you need to pray to God, Lord, show me that this Bible, this word, is a word of life to teach me how to have a God-honoring, joy-filled relationship with you and with my brothers and sisters and friends. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that our joys are not an option for us. We as your children and you as our Father want good things for us. And that is why you put Jesus Christ front and center. He is the A to Z of our joy. And I pray for all stars and Joshua generation, Lord, for our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, that they would not be convinced that they know fully or adequately what this joy means. But Lord, may they embark upon this 
amazing journey of joy, growing in joy, delighting in joy, being transformed by joy that Christ and Christ alone gives. Thank you, Father. We trust you because we believe, Lord, through your word that teaches us that you know what is best for us. And so before our academic school year begins, I pray that we will rest upon Jesus, to rely upon him, and to be rest assured by his great love for us. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.